everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. I got nothing this week, so. <coughs> We're under quarantine, right? No, we are not under quarantine. Oh. I was trying to give you an intro into your first story. That was kind of lame. Wow. <sighs> kind of lame. That's like my middle name, right? <laughs> well, that's a little long. <laughs> Actually, the full name is kind of lame segues, but you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, so I guess you want to just jump right in because don't, we don't have anything to go off the rails with right away. I, I'm not ready to go off the rails just yet, but maybe you'll I'm going to like find some rails to go off of you'll, later. You'll find something. Um, so obviously the whole coronavirus thing is big in the news. It is all anyone is talking about. And given the fact that, you know, we have a Grand Prix scheduled to happen in China in April. Yes. um, Potential impacts there is uh, of concern. But it's April, so surely people will be getting better, the outbreak will be under control, and everything will be returning to its upright and locked normal position. I mean, they don't have to do anything, right, until a couple of weeks before the Grand Prix? Well, no, not really. So... For, for starters, and, and yes, the, the race is in Shanghai, not in Wuhan, and there's probably some good separation between the two, but coronavirus is affecting a whole lot more than just that one part of China. Um, authorities in Shanghai have already recommended that all sporting events be suspended until the outbreak is controlled. Oh. Um, now, it's only a recommendation. This is not a requirement. So as of right now, as we record this, the race is still going to happen as scheduled. Okay. That said, Formula One is talking to the race organizers. Because I guess ultimately, this is the race organizer's decision as to what they want to do here. And although I suspect there's going to be a whole lot more at play very, very quickly. Because if the situation is truly as bad as it is, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the teams start pushing back about actually going. And maybe we see teams withdrawing. But it is the race organizers' decision as to what they want to do at this point. What Formula One has said and what Ross Braun in specific has said is that if the race does not happen as scheduled in April, um, they would like it to be postponed. Okay. Now, the challenge is... Where do you stick it in the calendar if it's postponed? I know, during those three weeks in August where they go on break. Yeah, because the the challenge that they run into is that there's very few slots that if they slap, slap the race into, that they're not going to end up with three and four, four week back-to-back situations. And worse, once they go to the <clears throat> European season... They're in trailers, not on planes. And then you could run into a situation where they're literally going halfway around the globe to pick up this one race. Because right. I know, and I understand we don't actually own a globe, but you realize that Shanghai is only really close to the races that are happening in the first bit. Like, almost close to Melbourne. Well, so... Th- You'd have, to go, you'd have to go, you'd have somewhere, to go to, somewhere around the Japanese Grand Prix. Well, that's it. You look at the fall, and you've got Japan, you've got uh, Singapore, you've got, well, you don't have Malaysia anymore, but you've got Sochi. Mm-hmm. But Sochi is a bit, I mean, honestly, Sochi's probably closer to Azerbaijan than Shanghai. Right. Now, I would propose mm-hmm. that maybe what we do is we cancel the French Grand Prix. And go back to... <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to give up the French Grand Prix. Well, see, that's what the challenge is. And Formula One has said, because um, initially, I guess, one of the rumors that was going around this week was, well, what if we swap dates with another race? Um, Ross Braun is saying, yeah, we're, we're really not interested in doing that. That... The, the knock-on effect that that has at other venues, mm-hmm. they're not interested. I mean, think about it. If we were planning on going to um, Austria. And we'd already have tickets and things like yep. that. And then all of a sudden go, yeah, we're going to swap that with China. 
that would be a big so so understandably formula one saying no we're not we're not gonna swap well and i mean keep in mind theoretically anybody that was planning on going to the chinese grand prix outside of china has probably already planned those trips too but well yeah but they're also going to be well you, you you've got two issues there one is that most of the world's major airlines are not currently offering flights anywhere in china so even if you were planning on going that's up in the air whether they cancel it or not number one and number two given the situation in china do you really want to go well and that's the other that's the other piece i hope you have travel insurance um (laughs) yeah there's no good answer here but i think the point i was trying to make when i was facetiously asking you know like do they have to do anything i mean this is february there nothing really has to happen until after melbourne right is you were telling me that equipment starts showing up in the next couple of weeks which is one thing and that's not personnel but what is it two weeks personnel has to be moving so there's two logistical deadlines that they've got to deal with and already um publicly all publicly all public events in china have been canceled through march nobody's canceling anything in april yet but the two logistical deadlines one is the sea freight which goes uh either this coming week or the week after so that's things like fuel that's things like some of the chassis that's some of the garage build outs all of that stuff That is within the next week or two weeks. Now, Ross Braun says, you know, if there's a shift there and it has to be brought back, that's not all that disastrous. The problem is when they have to physically start putting people over there. That's in about two to three weeks' time. Those are when the folks are supposed to head over there to prepare for the race, to start doing the logistics of building out the venue. That they don't want to have to recall people after they're already en route. Yeah. And you've got to worry about what the risk is to those people. Mm-hmm. Now, let's put some perspective around this. Okay. Coronavirus, last update I heard, has affected, what, about 15,000 people? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know the exact numbers. They did say, however, that the global death toll is now higher than the SARS epidemic from about what was that 10 15 years ago that's insane yeah now i recently traveled in the united states not to china and i have to tell you the most shocking thing is walking through two of effectively the largest airports in this Mm -hmm. country and seeing the number of people non-asian people wearing masks was incredible yeah, you know, it's not unusual whether you go to an Asian airport or, more than that, go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's not unusual to see a lot of people wearing masks. You don't see a lot of that Atlanta and O'Hare. True. And it's, even <clears throat> at San Francisco, you expect to see Asians and Asian Americans wearing masks because mm-hmm. it's a cultural thing and that that's more accepted. You don't typically see what you would think are classically americans doing yeah. that um but i will say on the bonus side a lot of hand washing in the bathrooms going on <laughs> just saying people were washing their hands my question still is how many of those people wearing a mask went and used the bathroom and didn't wash their hands oh. just gonna throw that out there anyway back to our actual story you told me that you know i got to take it off the rails anywhere i wanted this is back one of the spots to, back to our actual story here so the formula e race for china Mm -hmm. has already been postponed it hasn't been canceled but it's Mm -hmm. been postponed um the biggest event to be impacted so far is the world athletics indoor championships which were originally scheduled for nanjing uh from march 13th to the 15th and that's been postponed for a year oh wow um in tennis a fed cup asia oceana group round that was due to run this week in Dongguan was canceled. Um, and Olympic qualifying contests across several sports have been moved to other countries. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Well, I hope that they get this under control quickly and all things are unaffected. Yeah. And as we hear more about it, we will certainly share. Um, so about a week and a half ago, Word came out of 
Airbus getting hit with three and a half billion euros in fines and penalties via settlement agreements over a bribery scandal. Okay. So you're wondering, like many, of well, what does this have to do with Formula One? And, and when I first saw this, I'm like, okay, great. But do you remember back in 2012 and 2013, the catering team? You mean your son's favorite team? That it was his fa- favorite team. I recently saw some memory about a conversation that we had with young boy. and it- Him holding out hope that... Schumacher, uh, Schumacher was going to go drive for Caterham. <laughs> yes. Maybe if they win a race, Schumacher will drive for Caterham. Yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't work that way. <laughs> so Caterham, and specifically uh, their former boss, Tony Fernandez, this is where the link gets back to Formula One. Okay. So Tony Fernandez also ran AirAsia. Mm-hmm. AirAsia was one of the sponsors of the Caterham car, as was Airbus. Okay. So according to the investigation uh, led by the UK's serious fraud office, as well as authorities in Malaysia, Sri Lanka, Taiwan, Indonesia, and Ghana, uh, US and French authorities, um, they're alleging that that sponsorship deal, specifically between Airbus um, EADS, which owns Airbus and Caterham, was uh, had an influence on Air Asia's decision to order Airbus planes. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so, according to uh, Victoria Sharp, who's the president of the Queen's Bench Division of the Royal Courts of Justice. Uh, The first count alleges that contrary to Section 7 of the Bribery Act 2010, between July 1st, 2011 and July 1st, 2015, Airbus SE failed to prevent persons associated with Airbus SE from bribing others concerned with the purchase of aircraft by AirAsia and AirAsia X Airlines from Airbus, namely directors and or employees of AirAsia Airlines, where the said bribery was intended to obtain or retain business or advantage in the conduct of business for Airbus SE. In relation to Caterham, the improper payment consisted of $50 million, and Airbus employees also offered but did not pay an additional $55 million paid to directors and or employees of AirAsia and AirAsia X Airlines as sponsorship for a sports team. The sports team was jointly owned by AirAsia Executive One, Tony Fernandez, and AirAsia Executive 2, but was legally unrelated to AirAsia and AirAsia X. Oh, I'm sorry. I drifted off there for a minute. (laughs) AirAsia says that it vigorously rejects and denies any and all allegations of wrongdoing. I'm sure that they... What was that line from A Few Good Men? Strenuously object. Yes. So Tony Fernandez denies any wrongdoing. They deny that they have acted improperly in the sponsorship deal and that it had any influence. Okay. I mean, since this is a team that went... Belly up. Belly up five, six years ago... Could we possibly think that getting any money out of Caterham would be getting money out of a stone? Well, they wouldn't be getting it out of Caterham, though. They'd get it out of Fernandez. They'd get it out of Fernandez, and they'd get it out of AirAsia, because AirAsia still exists. Oh, okay. Because remember, it's it's that whole sponsorship deal that impacted, supposedly, AirAsia's decision to buy planes from Airbus. Got it. I drifted off. I, I freely admit I this. All right. Well, I'm glad that you drew the Formula One connection there. But moving onward. So, as we hinted at in the past, in the last show, of rumors that Lawrence was buying uh, Lance, a luxury, a sports car company. Well, we don't know if he bought him a sports car company. Lawrence bought a stake in Aston Martin. With an option to buy an even bigger stake. 
Lawrence Stroll uh, has bought a uh, 16.7% stake in Aston Martin for 182 million pounds. Now, the net result of this from a Formula One perspective is that in 2021, the Racing Point team will be Aston Martin Racing or some form of Aston Martin Racing. They will be a works team for Aston Martin. Okay, I got questions. Okay. First question. Mm-hmm. Aston doesn't make their own engines. Nope. So how are they going to be a works team again? Leasing engines for Mercedes. Leasing. Yes. Is that a new kind of agreement? or? <laughs> okay. Um, Aston Martin is currently a title sponsor of some other team, aren't they? Yes. And... That's the reason why um, this is happening in 2020. Well, one of the reasons this is happening in 2021 is that um, Red Bull does have currently have the title sponsorship from Aston Martin. Um, Red Bull has put out a statement saying that they are releasing Aston Martin from the obligations at the end of the season. Um, there was an exclusivity deal apparently as part of that. Oh. Um, so obviously that goes away as well as the the overall relationship. Okay. Um, and then my last question okay. or statement. Statement, not question. Okay. Um, Lawrence, I'm still adoptable. I, you know, if you're going to be throwing hundreds of millions of pounds around... <laughs> Um, I just am mentioning that I don't need hundreds of millions. I just need a little, you know, seed money. But I'm college educated. You don't have to pay for my college education. And I crash fewer cars than your son does. Ouch. Yeah. Instant grandkid. He's going to need a college education. So there was on YouTube, speaking of Lance... There was a video on YouTube that went up this week that asked the question of, is Lance Stroll any good? Did we qualify good at what? Uh, Well, as a driver. Oh, okay. And looked at his single seat and karting career. And what was the conclusion? Eh, he's okay. Is he as good or worse than Pastor Maldonado? potentially as good i mean I think and that that is, that is specifically from the perspective of one several junior series prior to coming into formula one now the problem was pastor maldonado if i remember correctly won gp2 the year before he came into formula one mm-hmm. lance stroll didn't go into gp2 I think he probably would have benefited from that, but that's beside the point. Um, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, he is still there because Daddy owns the team. I and understand. Daddy's that. not going to fire him. I understand that, and I know that that personally chaps you. It chaps a lot of people. I, so, uh, one of the things that was mentioned is that he is probably the most unpopular driver on the grid. Amongst the other drivers, too? Uh, or just fan, from, from the fan, fan perspective, perspective? He is the most unpopular driver of the entire grid. With the only people who count as his fans being his family. <laughs> <laughs> you must be a stroll to root for a stroll. Yeah, because I don't know if he has a girlfriend. I mean, I don't know. I mean, does Daddy I'm, buy I'm him not, one of I'm those? I'm not looking at you. Ooh, hey, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to stay there. <laughs> so Haas has revealed their life for <laughs> And you thought this was going to be an easy show because I didn't take it off the rails from the very get-go. Yeah, and you know, I, I didn't have my, my, my Tim Taylor tool time <laughs> clip queued up because I kind of needed it there. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So Haas. Haas has revealed their, their, the, the first images of their 2020 car. They could not hold it any longer. This was actually deliberate. They released them. I see that they are following in a few years ago's Ferrari's footsteps. 
and adding a lot of white to their car because white makes it faster. Well, you know, keep in mind, they had to ditch um, anything that had any kind of hint of rich energy. Well, So they were going away from black and gold no matter what now. Their original colors were white and gray and black. So really what they've done is they've kind of gone back to their original colors. Well, it's got, but it's a lot less gray and a lot more white. Yeah. Um, I think that it's the addition of that white makes the cars go faster. I didn't know if you were aware of that, but it's, you know, chemically proven according to Ferrari. Chemically proven, huh? It's scientifically. Sure. Hey, speaking of Ferrari, they're already testing. <laughs> Is that cheating? It's actually not. So what they're doing and what is not clear is exactly, and I'm assuming it is not the 2020 car. Best that I can assume. However, um, they have started testing uh, the 18-inch tires for next year. They're the first team to do uh, private tire testing for Pirelli. Uh, they ran this past weekend at Jerez um, over by Gibraltar. Oh, yes. That's that's why I was pointing it out to you, because it's over by Gibraltar. Um, but they ran over at Jaref. Uh, Charles Leclerc drove, and it's actually the first of 25 days of dedicated running for next year's tires. Oh, okay. But um, it's not all Ferrari getting 25 No, it, it is not. Uh, most of the teams are waiting until the middle of the season to run, and Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull are all getting five extra days of wet tire running between them for testing okay now ferrari has uh refused to allow pictures of the car that was used in testing oh i wonder why so yeah that, that that's one of the things i'm kind of wondering is did they use it as an opportunity to play with suspension because mm. i don't think they can run a 2020 car yet even with these new tires well yeah but because they're the 18 inch tires wouldn't they have to have made some significant modifications that would possibly be prototyping for the 2021 car? That's it. I mean, the whole suspension dynamics change. Right. So that that's the best I could think of, is they didn't want anybody to see what they were doing with suspension. And if they're the first ones, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the early people doing tire testing with this process don't allow photos. I mean, we've seen a couple of, teams run these bigger wheels already mm -hmm. and they've but they've all run them on older cars and, and really it's been like a lap or two kind of a thing so this is probably the first substantial running of these new wheels okay um over at red bull yes christian horner says that they have changed their overall philosophy in how they launch the car now as you recall the last several years probably actually going back to when they were still winning titles, they tended to start the season a bit slow. Mm -hmm. They were rarely winning right out of the gate. And last year was no exception. They struggled with the new rules for the front wing. And it wasn't until they really figured it out that the season turned around for them. Well, Christian says that they've changed their philosophy going into this year. Um, and they believe he be says that they believe with the stability of the right the regulations this year um, that really this year's car is going to be an upgrade of previous year's car and really all they're doing is addressing the weak spots and building on the strengths of the car oh okay. so he thinks that they will be able to start the season much stronger and he says that they're ready to bring it to mercedes heck with ferrari you're going right for mercedes okay well, you know, you want to win championships. But you know? Red Bull's problem at the beginning of, of the season is a twofold problem. One is the development of their car, mm -hmm. and the other is the development of Max. He still <clears throat> has to grow up. And I think he needs a few races to, like, calm down. He does. But honestly, if you look at what we saw from Max at the end of this season in particular— as opposed to his Toro Rosso days. And this is a very different person. Oh, he's grown up. Do not misunderstand me. I am not dissing on Max that he's not growing up. 
he was a different kid from the start of the 2018 season to the end of the 2018 season. Well, yeah, because he, he stopped, stopped trying to headbutt people. I get yeah, that. He, he stopped telling reporters he was going to headbutt them. Why you keep crashing? Um, Which is really a stupid question, but. <laughs> okay, so he did have a point. He did. But the other side of that is he's grown up a bit. And he was, I mean, he was growing up in 2018, but mm-hmm. even at the beginning of 2019, he, it's like he almost gets like, it's the childlike piece of him. He gets so excited for the season that I think he overdrives for a couple of races until he calms back down. And then yes, he's grown up through the season yeah. and maybe he won't start quite as young as he started last year like he won't take that step backwards you know summer break when you didn't read all summer long it's that same thing he's got to take a step backwards i'm betting that he's not going to come into his own until three or four races in okay we'll see Uh, i mean even though three or four races that's faster than Mm -hmm. i mean usually the the red bulls don't get sorted till like monaco after monaco I was going to say, it's it's firmly into the European season. Um, Red Bull was also the last team to announce their launch date. They are going to launch a car. They are launching a car. So, and the good news is that car launches are this week and testing is next week. We are getting so close to getting out of the doldrums of winter. And on Friday, the... Arrow SP McLaren IndyCar was revealed. Oh, cool. Uh, blue and papaya orange. Of course, it's got the papaya. Um, but preseason launch dates. So, as we mentioned, Ferrari is first on Tuesday the 11th. And there are two days. Yep. Uh, Red Bull and Renault are both launching on the 12th. The 13th, McLaren has it all to themselves. Okay. Uh, the 14th, Alpha Tori and Mercedes. Are ruining people's Valentine's Day. Yep. The 17th is Racing Point and Williams. Williams is essentially doing an online launch. Okay. Um, the official launch for Haas, as well as Alfa Romeo, uh, will be on day one of testing. Right. When they start their running. Even though, yes, Alfa Romeo has gone and, or not Alfa Romeo, uh, Haas has revealed their colors already. Yes. But it's still something about seeing the car and watching yeah. the drivers sit on the tires. You know, it's a very important experience. Well, you know, even though um, the car has not been launched already, Renault has released pictures of Esteban and Daniel sitting on tires. They have. Yes. Oh, my. It's just the tires by themselves. <laughs> and they're sitting on them. And they're sitting one next to the other, and one's on one tire, one's on the other tire. Nice. Yeah. So it's a requirement. Speaking of, of uh, Daniel Ricardo, mm-hmm. he was on Daily Show this past week with Trevor Noah. He was. Part of the promotion for Drive to Survive Season 2. Ooh, when is that going to launch? Uh, the 28th. We already talked about this. I know we did. I just don't remember. Oh, well, okay. I was, I didn't put it I'm pretty sure it's the 28th because I don't have it in front of me now because I didn't think you were going to throw that at me. Well, so I don't have it in my reasonably confident. I don't have it in my calendar. Why speaking, the heck not? Speaking of calendars. Yeah, I got to do that this week. Would you get on it? Because I was looking up something and I wanted to know when a date was and it wasn't in my calendar. I was stalling because they were, they had not finalized the times for Suzuka. Okay. That finally got done about a week, week and a half ago. I had some other stuff going on. But the updated calendar will go... Actually, all I will do is I will update the existing calendar. So if you're already a subscriber to that calendar, you will get the update. That is critically key. Good job. You know, it is the most anticipated calendar launch of the entire year. Of all the calendar launches that we do? Yes. That's the one? That's the one. (laughs) I mean, I bet you more people are anticipating our calendar launch than any other calendar launch. Oh, I was going to say more Americans are (laughs) anticipating our calendar launch than any other nationality? (laughs) (laughs) Any other nationality. Yes. Yes. Hey, over at Mercedes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
as Christian Horner wants, likes to point out that, you know, on the, the heels of their double world championships six times now, mm-hmm. they're obviously the favorites going into, into the season. Right. However, uh, the head of uh, Mercedes high-performance powertrains, Andy Cowell, says that while they have made some progress, they are, quote, fighting a few little issues as ever with the engine. Which, of course, has led to all the headlines and all the news stories of Mercedes is in trouble, Mercedes is in trouble. I don't know if I'd quite go that far, but that's what they're saying. You know, so much of this time of year is a combination of sandbagging Mm -hmm. and, you know, strategy with the, oh, we're not ready, but we are ready. You never know how true anything really is. Let's remember last year's testing and everybody, including us, going, wow, Mercedes is actually in trouble and Ferrari is doing amazing and... Mercedes has got to figure out what's going on. And then we go to Australia and it was, yeah, ne- um, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That wasn't, Clearly, a, that and, wasn't and a thing. Mercedes is going, no, we weren't sandbagging, really. We, we couldn't figure it out. And then it just started working. And, then and we don't going, know why. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know why. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, because of testing, you went Ferrari, not Mercedes, in the Fantasy League. Uh-huh. And I do believe that made you finish behind me two years in a row. Uh, maybe. Ush, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe. I know definitely last year, that's for sure. Well, I definitely um. beat you the year before because I came in second to Phil. Okay. In the, in the inaugural year, I came in second to Phil. And then there, there was this gap. And then there was everybody else. I don't think I was that far behind. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. like light years. Whatever. Light minutes, as it were. Whatever. Um, but then this year, we had some honors into our group that I don't know who they are. So they were the ones that won. And yeah. Then Phil still beat me. Phil, I'm coming for you. Don't we start becoming thinking you're going to become the Mercedes of our fantasy league. <laughs> So, what we do know is Mercedes has already run the engine. They have posted video of the engine being fired up, just like all the other teams. And it purred like a little kitten. Something like that. But that's all we know. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, especially in light of what happened last year, is if Mercedes decides that they're going to go through testing and they're going to do all high fuel load tests. Mm-hmm. They can still get a good chunk of the data that they need. And nobody will really have a good idea of their performance. And they may not tell anybody that they're doing high fuel load tests. Oh, they never tell that. And then they'll look slow well, and usually, sluggish. Usually you can tell because of how many laps they run. Right. And that's the... Because you got to assume at some point they're going to do a couple of race simulations. Mm-hmm. Remember the year that they did like three time race distance during testing? Yeah. And, on like day two. And the engine like showed no hiccups. Mm-hmm. Oh, those were the halcyon days of old when Mercedes truly dominated and nobody was in the same class as them. So there's a bit of clickbait that popped up on Autosport because, you know, last year the new rules, or mm-hmm. last year the current rule set, I should say. And then. You know, we've got a, a major change to aerodynamics and car design for 2021. So everything is stabilized. <clears throat> so the, the clickbait that popped up, popped up on Autosport, one of their columnists put out there that, you know, maybe Formula One should have considered taking a year off for 2021 because of the fact that, you know, all the focus, everything that everyone's doing is really going to be on 21, and that's where we should be going. And, you know, you look at, like, Glastonbury. Glastonbury goes, and they take a year off every so often. It lets the grass at at the the fields regenerate. It gives them some extra time to go and sign acts and find new talent and all of that stuff. So, you know, maybe Formula One should consider something like that. 
No. It's a stupid idea. I, I, I don't even have words for that. I Jake, will not just... Jake Boxall Leg, you're a dope. <laughs> I will not... Dis- I, I, I won't give credence to that. Y- your first column on Autosport should be your last, because that's a stupid idea. Well, you on know... On a lot of levels, that's a really stupid idea. But that's the thing. It's clickbait. Yeah. It's not worth the bits and bytes it was written with. Okay. So do you think that the new governance structure being considered for 2021 to help teams from exploiting loopholes in the championship regulations is going to be worth the the bits and bytes it's been written on? Well, Ross Braun says it will, but I have a fundamental problem here. So that's well, the headline. Let me let me explain. Okay, explain that. What the, what the new rules process is being proposed? It comprises of ten votes each for teams for the F one or for F one and for the FIA. Changes for the following year would require a simple majority of twenty five, whereas more immediate rule changes require support from a supermajority of twenty eight. This effectively means there are circumstances where if one or two teams have found a way around the rules. They will not be able to prevent others shutting it down immediately. According to Ross, he says the governance in the past has been the teams have all have to all agree to make a change. We're pushing through governance where we can make changes with much more short notice than at the present time. If you exploit a loophole in the future, you can be shut down the next race, which you could never do now. If one team stands out there. If one team stands out there with a solution that had never been conceived and had never been imagined and destroys the whole principle of what's trying to be done, the governance would allow with sufficient support from the other teams to stop it. And what then happens? Someone who has a loophole thinks to themselves, do I want to use it and risk it being stopped or do I want to tell the FIA about it because it wasn't intended? You want to use it and risk being stopped. I mean, there come is on. so much logic here that is so flawed. Oh, Ross, I thought you were smarter than this. Okay, I got to <laughs> back up because the first premise of this whole thing yeah. is the the most flawed of all the premises. Uh-huh. Premacy? Premise? A supermajority of 28 to get... No, you got to back up even further than that. Okay. F1... The, the the joy of F1 at its very core is about exploiting loopholes. Ross Braun is one of those folks who was known for it. It is. I mean, while yes, you need governance and yes, mm-hmm. you need people to say, no, you can't exploit it that way and smack hands along the way. That's important. But at its core, you actually don't want to prevent people from finding the margins. Yeah. You want them to find the margins and then shut them down or allow them to exploit it so that it moves the sport forward and it's share with the other teams. That is what is wrong with this premise. It mm-hmm. is like a pre-premise that makes the every other supposition that he has there completely and utterly wrong. I am done, but I am not putting my soapbox away. Okay. He's wrong, and I don't ever say Ross Braun is wrong, but he is wrong. I want that. Where's that lunch? Let's start bidding on that lunch. I need time with him. (laughs) He and I are going to have a moment right after I get invited to his estate in England and we become besties. We're having a moment. (laughs) I mean, that would be my whole goal of having lunch with Lance. Well, you know, maybe that's the thing is, is you know, we're going to be headed to England. Maybe you should make a call over to uh, the Formula One offices and request to get an appointment with Ross Brown. What's the worst they tell you? No. No, they say, ma'am, security will be meeting you at the door. No. <laughs> Before we go, you call up and you try and you request the appointment you know i'm sure that you know we're we're talking five months out yes there should be holes on his calendar five months out one would hope but i doubt it active race season it's ross i i I think it's worth calling 
I'll get right on that. Okay. Right after I schedule time with, you know, Lewis Hamilton. Well, that that's probably a little harder. You think I'm not standing at the sign in Mercedes the for the Monday morning No, I'm morning not meeting. saying that either. <laughs> I'm not saying that either. But no, I this whole idea of a solution that has never been conceived and never been imagined and destroys the whole principle of what's trying to be done. Gee, the whole principle of what's trying to be done is the teams are trying to win races. I mean... And they push the rules as far as they possibly can without actually breaking them and getting caught. That's key. I'm, I, I'm telling you, the wisest thing somebody ever said was um Nikki oh, Lauda said it. Nikki Lauda said it, but the aerodynamicist for Red Bull and I just lost his name. Um Neely, uh no. You're gonna laugh at me when the name comes up because he's Adrian Newey. Adrian Newey. It was an in name. <laughs> Absolutely forgot that name all of a sudden. It just went out. I I, I can't explain it. Adrian Newey said that the way you approach the rules and designing of the way you design a car is you read the rules for the edges Mm -hmm. and you come as close to those edges with a razor's edge between that edge and being just this side illegal. Mm -hmm. And if you dip your toe over into just beyond legal, well, as long as you don't get caught. And again, that's what Nikki Lauda said of push the rules to the limit and sometimes we go over and if you don't get caught you do it again mm-hmm. and this whole idea of well you know do, do you exploit the loophole because you can be shut down in the next race yeah absolutely you do because if you won that race it's 25 points to uh-huh. the good if you exploited let, that loophole and, and got 25 points, you're 25 points to the and, good. And, oh, by the way, it's a loophole, so you didn't exactly cheat, so you didn't break the regulations. So you're not losing your 25 points. So the points, points don't go away. Yeah. You're not losing your 25 points. Stupid yeah. Idea. And this is how we get innovation, like a double diffuser mm-hmm. and uh, the fan the, car. And, and the Coanda exhaust. And, and all of those things. Those are innovations. Now... I joke constantly about the six-wheel Terrell, and it didn't work, but somebody tried it. But, you know, that other thing is, okay, so you roll out the double diffuser, or you roll out the Coanda exhaust, and what ends up happening is all the other teams, if it works, they start to do it. Mm -hmm. Just like we've seen with the wings this year and all the other stuff. If it works the other teams start to do it. And at which point, the advantage you get starts to go away. Correct. And if you're the first to market, oftentimes you're not going to be the the best to market. Somebody else can see, see but it. Ross has the credit for that, though. Because with the the his car that, that won the race, that Jensen won the, the championship with, they had it. They figured it out it was working, and it wasn't until oh, late in the season that everybody else had figured it out, and they were beating. They the were team. Getting, getting beaten. They were they were getting beaten at that point, and if it had been a longer season, he wouldn't have won the title. Well, yes, you're missing my point. Being first to market will have the advantage because you'll have the the yeah, period the time. Well, you'll have runway. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, oftentimes that second person, oh, that, the, the, that iterative catch, the iterative piece, will come up with a replacement that's better or a copycat that's yeah. better than what you came up with, which shortens the competition piece. So, yeah, if you don't maximize that loophole in your runway period, you've got an iterative piece that's going to happen right after that where you're going to be fighting for development. But you cannot regulate people from pushing the boundaries in the pinnacle of motorsport. That's supposed to be about pushing boundaries. I mean, by their definition, it is pushing boundaries. Mm-hmm. Lunch. Ross, call me. I'll call you. Your people, my... I don't have people call me. Uh, <laughs> we have got to get this back on the rails because you are wrong. And I 
ever think Ross Braun is wrong. That man is so smart. So wise. Hey, do you think Eric Bouillet is uh, so smart and so wise? Mm. He's a nice guy. He's the new managing director of the French Grand Prix. Will he fix it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the word for the day, everyone. Maybe. <laughs> so, Eric Bouillet says that they have uh, come up with plans that they have submitted to the FIA, uh, and they are hopeful that could be ready to put in place in time for this year's race with the intention of improving passing and improving racing at the track. So step one is they're going to move the race to a different track. They're not going to do that. (sighs) They have failed. So the proposal is for the first, is for the tight first sequence of corners to be opened up, which will then deliver a much bigger first breaking point at the Saint-Bomb area of the circuit. According to Eric, that would make two big straights um, and two overtaking zones. Uh, in the simulations, he says the cars are clearly getting closer, and if you can't get past at St. Baum, you can do it at the first chicane. And he says the idea is to force the teams to have less downforce. Okay. The idea being forcing less downforce, they've got to break harder into either of those turns, which then potentially opens up the possibility for overtaking in the braking zone. That's the other thing that he wants to make clear is that if it gets approved by the FIA and they've been submitted, he says four days it'll be done. He says actually more precisely four nights. It'll be done. That's all they need, four days, four nights. Because they're just going to move in some Jersey barrier. (laughs) Kind of, sort of like that. Yeah. Scrape off the paint, put in new paint, they're done because that's Paul Ricard. It's pretty much like driving in a parking lot. Hmm. Sainsbury's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you know what would make that race better? Having and, it in China? What? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. If it's going to be like Sainsbury's, they should have trolleys going across the track every so often. Randomly. <laughs> Random trolleys. That way there would at least be something to watch for. Sprinklers and medals. There you go. Hey, guess who's trying to make himself relevant to Formula One? Because Fernando Alonso just won't go away. He's not going to go quietly into that good night, is he? No, he's not. So Fernando, uh, he get, he uh, gave an interview to, to, I think it's Racer Magazine. Knew that or F1 Racing Magazine. One of the two of them. A lot, of, and, and also to Formula One. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was fairly open for Fernando. First off, he, he said that um, uh, the allegations, the, the stories that say that he is very selfish in a team is, is not, not true, that these are lies that are being told about his career. He's not selfish. <clears throat> the other people in the team do not understand his position in the team. Well... The, the two examples that, that, that he calls out, one is around 2012 mm-hmm. and the end of the race in Brazil and the, the talk about how him not getting the title and he was just kind of standing around in shock and dismay over it. What he says is he says that that's not actually the case. He said what was actually going on, according to him, was that it was Felipe, Felipe Massa, who was his teammate at the time, Felipe was in tears. He didn't know why Felipe was upset. And Felipe, and, and we do know in, in, in all seriousness and all fairness that Fernando Alonso and Felipe Massa had a very good relationship. Mm-hmm. They always got along really well. And what Fernando said was that what was actually going on was he didn't know why Felipe was upset and he was deeply concerned for Felipe and he was trying to get over to Felipe to find out what was going on and if there's anything that could happen. So that was example number one. I don't know if it's true, but, you know, some pieces of it sound good. I mean, we do know he got along well with Felipe Massa. Mm-hmm. And, but the other thing that he said was, you know, is an example of how he is not selfish. He said that 
he has always shared his prize fund with his engineers because his feeling is that his engine not just his engineers but his engineers and his mechanics okay. divides it up between all of them because his feeling is his success and he's right about this his success is really dependent on these guys yep whether it's the design of the car or how they perform in a pit lane he's just a piece of it and they deserve credit and recognition and it is a way for him to do it okay that's that that's what he says i'm okay but the other thing that he says because you know he is the expert in such things he says that lewis hamilton has an f1 weakness that has not been stressed yet and that nobody in formula one has been able to stress Hmm. You can finish that sentence how you think you'd like to finish it. But that's where I'm going to end it with is that he says that nobody has been able to stress this weakness that Lewis has. Obviously, he is capable of doing this stress. I'm not saying that. I am. So what is this magical weakness that only Alonzo knows how to fix? So what Fernando says is that clearly with his six championships, including five in the last six years, he show, it shows that Lewis has really raised his level in the last couple of years. He, he acknowledges this. He says, especially in 2019, when the car has not been as dominant as other seasons, if he cannot win, he's a very close second, not 20 seconds further back, which is what happens a little bit with Valtteri. A weekend when the car is not as competitive, Botas is fifth or sixth or a minute behind, but Lewis is not. He's made a step forward. He is more competitive, more prepared. He still has some weak points that have not been stressed yet. No one is pressing that button, that weakness. He says if you study Lewis's season, there is always a common trend. He starts the year slowly, and no one takes the benefit of that. We all get excited that it will be the year of Botus, but it's not. It would be nice to compete against him in a proper fight. Maybe his weak points are not real and everything is calculated but it would be nice to discover. Now, let's also remember that Fernando makes no secret of the fact that he is lobbying for a Formula One return for 2021. Oh, yes. Certainly. Now, where he could possibly go is an interesting question. Well, silly season should be pretty interesting. Well, Red Bull is very adamant that there is no place for Fernando with that team. Well, he's not a development driver for Red Bull, so that's Mm -hmm. the way they work. Despite the fact that Fernando has said a couple of times that there's been some kind of a conversation here, Red Bull says, no, there hasn't. I, I, I tell you, I know exactly where that conversation happened. It happened on the grid, and it was Fernando looks at Christopher Christian Horner and says, "Hi, how you doing? Anything I going on? I want to drive for you guys. Anything going on? Yeah, new and exciting someday. at Red Bull?" And Christian goes, "Hi, Fernando. It's nice to see you. You really belong back on the grid in Formula One." Yeah. See ya. Kisses. That is exactly the dialogue that has occurred. Um, okay, so he he's not going to Red Bull. He's not going to Red Bull. He's not going back to Ferrari. Well, no, they're not going to take him back. Here's the problem. We said that about McLaren. We said Ron Dennis would never take him back. The two of them would, that that Fernando Alonso and Ron Dennis would kill each other. Well, Ron Dennis left the organization, so isn't that like career death? Has, may not has have been Ron related. Dennis actually ever been heard of? heard from since he left mclaren are we sure that fernando has not left him in a ditch somewhere i i don't think this was fernando actually we know it wasn't it was mansur oj who, yeah. who who kicked him out um I, I can't see him going to mclaren they're they're happy with what they have w- with lando and they're they're happy with what they they've got from carlos why go back to what to fernando mm-hmm. now Oh, I think he's burned that bridge the, too far. Well, well, see, that's the other thing. And, and McLaren has terminated all of their dealings with him. He's not even an ambassador for McLaren anymore. 
Right, we reported on that like yeah. a week or two ago. And the thing is, I think if Fernando had wanted to stay in Formula One, McLaren would have let him stay. Mm-hmm. But once he up and left, they decide enough. So, okay, McLaren's out. Mercedes, do you really think? I mean, I, I can't see that given the stable of what they have and given that everybody would want to come and drive for them. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see. I, I could see Toto Wolf signing Daniel Ricardo before Fernando Alonso. Yeah, but I even think that Esteban Ocon's got that seat faster than Daniel does. Uh, he doesn't because he's on a two-year deal over at Renault. That stuff only lasts as long as a piece of paper. Yeah. Okay. The most he could hope for is that Ferrari is Seb's Ferrari seat. Charles Leclerc is not going anywhere. Seb probably, if he does not have a decent season this year, I think Seb's going to tap out. Well, see, and and, and that's, I'll let this out because I got to add it to the list. That's what I think is going to be one of our prediction questions for this year is going to be, a will Seb sign for twenty? And and I think if Seb has a choice, he will because of the rule change. Right. Seb will want to stay in, but will Ferrari keep him? Exactly. And where the question becomes of, if they get rid of Seb, who do they bring in? Do they start hunting for Ricardo? Mm-hmm. Which I can, I could see Ricardo being on the market. But who else is really going to be available? It'll be interesting to see who bubbles up in that best of the rest group. I mean, the the only scenario I could see right now that could bring Fernando Alonso back into Formula One would be if Seb leaves for some reason. Ferrari goes and grabs Daniel Ricciardo. Mm-hmm. And Renault possibly brings Loses in Fernando. Loses their ever-loving mind? But Fernando's two titles were in a Renault. The Renault not, of his not that two- this is not not that this is the same Renault and there's the promise, but in terms of his best option. Right, but the Renault of today is not the Renault of those two titles. No. So I don't even think that holds water, honestly. I I I, I do not see a scenario that makes good sense. Now, I stop there to say <clears throat> Formula One has done many things that make no good sense to me. But I don't see there being a really good reason to call Fernando back when you've got good talent mm-hmm. coming up the... I mean... But but if you look at the seats that potentially could come open that he hasn't fully burned a bridge at, mm-hmm. I can only see Renault as the best option. There's nobody else left. And because he's not going to go to a team that doesn't have any chance at all. He's not going to go to Alfa Romeo. He's not going to go to Haas. He's not going to go to Williams. And and Williams, I don't think, would even want him. Oh, no. Because he's not Felipe Massa. That's the thing, is he's not. I... Honestly, there there gets to be that point when you know we hit the 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 subjects that make me roll my eyes. Mm-hmm. We have engines, we have tires, we have Fernando, and Alonso. we have Fernando Alonso. Honestly, I would you know, rather at talk this about point... Lance Stroll's extension into Formula One over any more Fernando. Honestly, the only reason why I bother to bring it up at this point is more just out of bemusement at his attempts to try and maintain some degree of relevance in Formula One. Yeah. And whether he wants to see it or not, there's really only two realistic ways for him to do that. One is the one that you keep proposing, that he does some type of driver development program. Mm -hmm. But the other would be that he make a financial investment in a team. Those are the only two ways that I could see Fernando Alonso actually finding a way to have actual relevance in Formula One anymore. 
whether he wants to accept it or not. And I agree. Okay. I don't think that we have any programming notes to... We should be off for another week. No, we will be on next week. We will be talking about uh, the car launches yes, and the colors because that's really about all we can do. Um. <laughs> and how well the drivers sit on tires. If they sit on tires. Ooh, if. Yeah, they are breaking from tradition. The, you know, we haven't had as much of it as we used to. True. And these are not the big flashy launches that they used to be. No, no, they they are austerity spending has come in budget caps <laughs> yeah, as budget it, caps as it were. Um, so on that note, I think we should call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye. Bye bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is there? Is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. Whew.